Hello, and welcome to the Ornithology Presents The Cruise Cast. I'm Ben Hyten. And I'm Alex Belletti. And joining us for legend this week is an old friend of mine, Ewan Robinson. Hello, Ewan. Also a legend, maybe? Uh, In my own lunchtime, maybe. Yeah! Uh, Uh, Fun fact about Ewan, he's exactly one day older than me. Oh, you I am. I forgot about that. <laughs> that is fun. Yeah. a fun fact. How about that? Exactly, like down to the second. Yep. No, no. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, but I have a, another cool fact about my birthday in particular, yeah. which is it's a palindrome and palindromic. 18181, yeah. Correct, yeah. So it's the same forwards, backwards, and upside down. Yeah. So you can literally rotate it in any way, and it's always right. And do you do that often? No. We are going to talk about Legend, the 1985 Ridley Scott movie. Uh, yes, we are. You, you might be thinking, oh, what? So what? Like, Ben's just dragging out people that he went to school with to Mates, bring on here. Sisters. I mean, yes, I am. Uh, but Ewan caught up with the first season of uh, the Arnithology when we were actually doing Arnold Schwarzenegger and got to the Maggie episode and basically Facebook screamed at me. No, you got it wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. I I don't think I screamed. Facebook screamed. It did. Yeah. It seemed like I I screamed. I I, I apologize then. I didn't mean to be quite so aggressive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So explain yourself. Because when we were talking about Maggie, we were basically saying it's uh, uh, analogous to hospice care and, uh, you know, terminal illness and all that sort of stuff. And that's not the reading that you got from the film. No, and I think you, you quite um, quickly, everyone kind of went to, well, The Fault in Our Stars did this, mm-hmm. you know, recently. Mm. And um, But the, the the major difference between the two is, is that The Fault in Our Stars is from the perspective of someone that's going through that process, you yeah. know, someone who has a terminal illness. Right. This is from the viewpoint of the parent. So I think it's as much an analogy to just fear of failing as a parent you know you're failing your your children and also mm. you get to a stage with when you've got kids fortunately i'm not late and i say fortunately i'm yet to get there which is there comes a point where you they don't need you anymore as well and i think that's around the age she is as well she's sort of late teens is his daughter and you know she's come to that, mm. that stage in her life sort of normally where she's she's going to be a bit further away from him and i think particularly with having lost his wife previously she's the only bit of that part of his life left yeah you know it's the last remnants of, of that part of his life going away mm. um and that was what i got from it as opposed to the it being an analogy to terminal illness so you, you know when we did that episode we had Marit larwood on and and yeah. we started that episode by talking about the bumming man uh and you've just come on and been quite erudite and uh set a very different tone and uh i have a feeling that there's going to be some sort of online petition to say can you just hand over the keys to you and have him do it from now on? Yeah, that's just not going to happen, is it? <laughs> but um, we ne- we never know. You you've made some excellent points there. I just want to say before we, you know we move straight into uh, jokes and that. Um, I think you're right about everything that you said, and and of course it can still be it can be interpreted both ways. But but what you've said is much more. It's a much more accurate representation than to to just say this is about a terminal illness but the terminal illness comment was made to say this isn't a zombie movie this is a terminal illness movie uh and i don't think that necessarily saying it's a terminal illness movie it doesn't refute the things you were saying but what it certainly does do is refute any 
idea that it's a zombie movie because it is not that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, it, uh, yeah it's enough. not. It, it, it's this is like art house zombie movie, isn't it? Yeah, Without right. the house or the art. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it, in fairness, it didn't bother me that much. I quite liked it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I think you're right, which is what you always said with Arnie is if he's cast well. Yeah. You know, he, he comes across as having you know played a really well, a part particularly well, and I think in Maggie, um, he, he played the part very well. Now, mm. whether that's because of the way that the shots were taken or or what, but you know, a particular scene for me was when. The um, the sheriff and the um, yeah. and the deputy came, you know, for for, for Maggie, and he, and he was protecting her, you know, and mm. he, he was kind of like, you know, I'm twice the size of you, and I'll yeah. tear your arm off and beat you with a wet end, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's how you feel like you should be as a dad. Um, yeah, and know, especially look, Arnie you know, as a dad, right? Yeah, I think I liked it more than most people probably would because I'm a fan of the zombie genre. Right, it's my favourite sort of subgenre of mm. horror. You know, being a parent as well, you just kind of think, if I was in that situation, what would I do? Mm. And that's what all the best zombie movies do. I think we sort of talked about that. Let's not re-review Maggie, but the the, yeah. the, the whole zombie thing is enticing because it, it forces characters to question what they'd do if they had to kill their loved ones. Exactly. And I think, for me, the um, like zombie movies in general, where a zombie movie is particularly successful, is it's not about the zombies. It's never about the zombies. Exactly. It's, it's mm-hmm. a it's always should be about the interaction of the survivors uh, for me and how they're dealing with that situation and dealing with each other. Yeah, I, confession time, I used to hate the zombie genre. I never got it until I saw Walking Dead. But the interactions between the characters and that is fantastic. Yeah. It's some of the best television full stop outside of its own genre, as far as I'm concerned. But we've got you in here um, because of that interaction you guys had yeah, I just like, come on, we'll give you the right to reply, and yeah. uh, I wanted you to get that on the record, because yeah. I, th- I think I had watched Maggie again, I enjoyed it even more the second time, I think we were all kind of cool, cool on it the first time, but then also, you were pretty jazzed that we were moving on to Tom Cruise, I think, you you kind of called it. It was one of my guesses, yeah. Cool, cool, is that one of the three or four that did actually guess? Um, what's your... What's your relationship with Tom Cruise? What's your history? Oh, checkered, I think. <laughs> um, it's uh, there was a period of time where it was. Oh, it's a Tom Cruise film. Do I have to watch it? You know, there, <laughs> there was this bigger. Uh, the answer is no. You, you never have to watch it. No, absolutely not. But the, the you know, I, th- I think he's had such. He suffered for his personal life. Yeah. Um, with his films and, and you know and people kind of go oh Tom Cruise is smarmy he's this he's that he's the other mm-hmm. um, can't like him for whatever reason but actually when you kind of break through that he's a really good actor you know when you actually <laughs> 100% that's exactly what it, we said yeah, yeah ditto uh, ditto uh, the, 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 I think the film that really turned it around for me uh, for him as an actor rather than him being in the film that I like yeah. whereas it's like I actually like films you know because he's in them yeah. uh, the, the big one for me was Minority Report that was then okay. when I was like, I get this yeah, guy now. Definitely a you know, turning all point of a sudden, movie. Yeah, yeah, it really was for me. And because, um, like, the first Mission Impossible, great film, really enjoyed it. But my opinion was a bit, well, you you could kind of put anyone else in that role, and it, it, you know, a, a comparable, and it would probably work. Not quite, maybe an Antonio Banderas, but you know, there are other actors around the same sort of time, similar age, um, doing similar things. But yeah, Minority Report, and I was like, actually, do you know what? This guy's got some chops. Yeah, you know, he can he can act. Um. So and and now I go back and I watch films. Actually, I don't think you could replace him. It's fascinating, isn't it? You know, uh, with somebody else. Yeah, 
There is a yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Again, yes, uh, like Ben and I were rewriting what we're going to put on the Facebook page because it, it was all about Arnie at first, and now we're like, well, if we're going to do more of these, we're going to have to have a um, uh, a statement that says more about the brand as we change actors. That's not just you know reviewing the greatest bodybuilding action star. That doesn't apply to everybody that we're planning on doing, and so we what we realize is we're it's select iconic actors that have changed cinema is is what we're looking at. And it speaks directly to your point that we've had to change that. Our change there is what we're trying to say is that there has to be something unique about the people that we review. And although you're not wrong that there are movies that you could replace Tom Cruise with, but he's become his own um, product and also moved away from the period of his career that we're about to go into in terms of watching movies, which is he's become yeah. a poster boy. Arnie like established a new kind of brand and he was his own brand. I think Tom Cruise has gone that extra step further because he's not as unique a movie star as Arnold was. He didn't change the game as much as Arnold did when yeah. Arnold came on the scene. But what he has done is he's he's built an entire industry around him where he is a mm. one-man studio now, essentially. He's a producer... Mm. You know, he gets involved creatively. Mm. He can bankroll pictures. If you put Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford in the same body, that's Tom Cruise. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, now. Yeah. And yeah. when we went at the time that we're going to go back to, 1985, yeah. uh, Legend, he was none of those things. What was he? What was he, you and Ben? What, what do you reckon? He was an emerging movie star. I mean, he, he was suddenly the next big thing. He was fresh on the scene, wasn't he? Um, uh, well, he wasn't even that fresh on the scene, I suppose. He'd done, you know, he'd done a couple of bit parts. I, I always remember him kind of from Outsiders, like these little, you know, he was in that quite briefly. Um, but he, you know, he already was getting in a couple of his, um, a couple of his little tropes. He got in there as well for the whole like sort of ten minutes of film that I think he had. Um, two, two things in particular I can think of that he does um, in that movie, you know, like backflip off the car, yes. um, jumping off of things. Well, it's backflipping off. off of things, and we'll talk about that a bit oh, later. Oh boy, will we! <laughs> and um, yeah, and and like you know, his his woos and you know all, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, nice and taking his shirt off. He loves taking his shirt. off Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. he likes showing. He, he, he likes he likes giving free tickets to the gun show, doesn't he? That's his. Uh, <laughs> He does. So, like, so I, I threw it out to you and I said, if you want to come on and talk about Tom Cruise, pick one. I'll run it by Alex. You can't have Top Gun. Uh, what are you going to go for? And you said pretty much straight away, Legend. Yep. Why Legend? When I was a kid growing up, um, so I've, I've got two older sisters. I'm the, I'm the baby. My house, we were kind of into our swords and sorcery and um, my sisters were into their horror. So, I mean, you, to lay the scene a little bit when i was six i saw amateurville 2 what sorry i missed that amateurville 2 i saw when i was six and i saw salem a film for children i saw salem's lot the the original miniseries when i was a similar age sort of within two three weeks of each other it's not too bad yeah it was raining quite heavy that night so we all ended up (laughs) me and my sisters ended up in the same bed you know as the wind the rain's belted on the windows and it's like the kids scratching at the window sort of thing yeah but we did a lot with swords and sorcery as well um so it was a lot Conan I watched when I was quite young and Legend was another one you know it was a firm favourite of my mum's was Legend she, she absolutely loved that film and Legend was a, a family favourite it was a bit of a Sunday afternoon film um, we'd break out every so often so alright Alex 
Have you seen Yo, Legend before? I have. Probably when I was a kid. I remember it. my dad renting it, sort of talking us through like some things that we might see in it just to check if we'd be scared. I was five. And I don't remember there being any particular love for it in my family. I think it was just one of those movies that we saw. You know, we were into things like Dark Crystal and yeah. all, all that stuff. So uh, it sounds like you and hearing your description that it's your Dark Crystal. Because like, that's our family's movie of that, that kind was Dark Crystal as kids. Yeah. But I can't say that I, I share the same affinity. The well, I mean, there are other films that are on that list. You know, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Labyrinth is the one, yeah. right? And it was one of my notes, like right up top, which is that this is it feels so much like it's trying to be other things. And I don't know if that's a fair statement or not. Yeah, I don't know what the making was about, what the producers were thinking, but so I had no memory of it when I watched it this time round. Very little, I remembered characters and visuals but i didn't remember the story at all i mean I'd, I'd seen it like one christmas it was one of those movies that was on like boxing day or something and the, the only thing i could remember was the bit where they cut the unicorn's horn off and i remember right. like being struck yeah, by that that it graphic, was quite yeah. a visually exciting dramatic sequence with the sound and the fury and all of that yeah i didn't really remember anything else about it and i, I remember being quite bored by it oh. um let's just give a quick rundown of the plot Basically, darkness uh, needs the last two unicorn horns on Earth to remove the existence of daylight and rule darkness forever, rule in darkness forever. So he sends his minions to go and cut a couple of unicorn horns off. Yep, it's the, the, yeah, that's pretty much the setup. That, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. The final two unicorns hold enough pure magic to uh, to stop him from being able to te- to come to full strength and yeah, stop the sun from rising. Mia Sara from Ferris Bueller is Princess Lily and she is what is used as the bait to lure unicorns because she's a vision of pure innocence. Or, or is she? Or is she? Well, she starts off as pure innocence. Yeah. And then Jack is like, he's a wood elf, I guess. He's kind of like a sprite, right? He's kind of a, a, a creature of nature. He, he is a woodland creature. Child, wood child isn't that what they call him? Yeah, wood. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's like something like a yeah, a woodland child or yeah. It's a he's it, a feral child. Yeah, fine. Um, he's he's not not human though. That's the thing. He's oh no no, and there are inhuman creatures all throughout this film. Yeah, but that's, um, Jack but that's not him. Is yeah, yeah, a human. Yeah, right. So yeah, so Jack's like this this woodland elf, and he's got the horn for Princess Lily, human. basically woodland human. Woodland human, whatever. Woodland sprite. And then, uh, yeah, so when he dives into a pool because she throws a ring into it and says, whoever whoever findeth this ring, I shall marry. So he dives in and just at that point, the unicorn gets captured, loses its horn, day turns to night, summer turns to winter, Princess Lily and the unicorn horn is gone. And now the quest hath begun. Yeah. Let, let's, before we get into each um, segment... Of the film, and well, yeah, I, don't, I really don't want to run through the whole film. I'll be honest. I've got, I've got something to say about each and every yeah. scene, almost. Oh wow! But I won't, I won't. I don't want to run through the whole thing, but that's exactly what we want to go for. What are our? What? Let's just get put our cards on the table. What are our general feelings? Hold it right there. We encountered some major technical issues <laughs> during the recording of this. 
So there's a little bit missing here where we were basically saying we all watched the longer European cut. Ewan recognises that it's not flawless, uh, but still watches it pretty much once a year with his kids. And Alex's predominant feeling about it was, what the fuck am I watching? That's all you've missed, and we'll jump back in there. Okay, let's keep rolling. So yeah, so we all watched the longer cut. So Alex, right, you were saying it's, uh, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, pretty much. That's my my first reaction was... And it's really because I found it really difficult not to pick it apart. I was really trying to say, look, I know this isn't going to be the most consistent, the most brilliant thing. I just can't get... I couldn't get on board. Darkness's line is innocence is the thing that is going to lure the the perfect bait or whatever for the unicorns, right? And it's like, okay. And then it cuts to Mia Sarah and she's frolicking. And the first mm. thing she does is fucking let, let somebody's washing off the line and it falls in the mud. She's a bitch. She's mischievous and she's got this darkness inside her. That's what I realized eventually that, that she's not the innocent one. It's Jack. That's what I reckon. That's my theory. That's the most I could do with this. But otherwise, I just it just kept going. There was all these things, these inconsistencies. Watch out for springing, springing a banshee, toaster rings, willow trees, old oaks. We, did we see any of these things? Did they? No, no. Couldn't couldn't afford them. Couldn't afford them. <laughs> but they're in the script. No. And there's something else I need to bring in as well. I this is for me. I think this is Tom Cruise's jingle all the way. Oh come so, on sorry. now! Sorry, no, it's not. I'm happy to, now, to it's own his, it. It's his Conan the Destroyer at worst. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. In fairness, old to, to right. you there, Alex, I'm going to say I can't think of a really terrible, you know, universally just terrible um, Tom Cruise film off the top of my head. Not like, not like uh, I only have. Endless like. Love. Yeah, have you uh, seen Endless Losing love? It? Losing It's not great. I haven't seen either of those. Actually, yeah, so Losing but... It is much more his jingle all the way. L- listen. I am. I love fantasy films, and so, I, but I kind of need them to be good. This wasn't a great period for fantasy films, though. And we said that with Conan the Barbarian, and that, that's why Conan the Barbarian stands out because the the thing that marks all of these films out, like Labyrinth, Willow, this, is that the villains are way more interesting than the lead characters, and that's the difference with Conan is that he is more interesting than the villain. And right. I, I mean, this is a long, slow film for about the first hour, and it's only a two-hour movie. Yeah, and I, I was feeling yeah. it. I was but feeling once it. they get to Darkness's Lair, I think it's, it, it's a different movie. Yeah, thank is. fuck for Tim Curry, man. Uh, uh, do you know what my my note? Agreed. Him here, my yeah. note. If you can read it, yeah, is yeah. Tim motherfucking Curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I very similar note. Uh, I, uh, without the fuck. He's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. Uh, it, it's Tim Curry. It, yeah, he's, exactly. He's just... I, I can't think of an actor that can do what he can do like he can do it. Totally. Yeah. Um, he is... You know, everything he's in, he steals the show. It... Even Home Alone 2 steals <laughs> the show. I don't even remember uh, Home Alone 2. But it... Because he's one of those actors... I mean, the thing is, is Tim Curry and Darkness is the thing that makes this not a play. Otherwise, it's a play. It's acted that way. The sets are like that. I, I, it's it, you know, it's pretty elaborate. I, I, I don't know, but Tim Curry was, you know, the presence that he owns that part in a way that you know I don't. 
you talk talking about people being replaceable. Uh, Tom Cruise is unfortunately, I think, replaceable in this. He's he's yeah. not great. He's not and right why, for the why part. Why this kind of half English accent? Why? What? What's well, that about? I didn't even really pick up on that. Uh, I, yeah, I've never picked up on that. I don't. It's I don't like Leia's up. accent in Star Wars. It's like okay. at the beginning of Star Wars. Is he is he trying to be neutral? Is that what you? Yeah, like a just, neutral accent. It's yeah. not America. It's like mid Atlantic. Because I'm an imp, I talk, talk like I don't know how to do it. I can't do an American doing a halfway in between the American English. So what we're saying is the opposite of Christian Slater in Prince of Thieves. Uh, <laughs> right, he's, right. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, he he definitely wasn't using his own accent. I think uh, the, the the thing about the story, and it is a problem with a lot of these films as well, is that they all want to be Lord of the Rings. And the, the thing that's interesting exactly. about Lord of the Rings exactly. isn't the, the, the story beats. It's the characters, it's the adventure, yeah. it's the language, the setting. And they try some of that stuff with the language. Like there's a lot of mm. sort of pentameter and things like that uh, sprinkled through the film. Right, so that was the play thing. It's, it's got a very inconsistent vibe, yeah. though. Yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah. totally. Yeah. Uh, but what, I think what this has in spades, though, is Ridley Scott. And, you know, the design work in the film, the lighting, the fact that most of it seems to have been shot in a studio, but yeah. it, it sort of works, even though it's so, woodland settings and that. Uh, I'm going on the doesn't work side of things, sorry. I, you see, I think it's... I think Because I think they have quite a few problems, like budget and time, and I think they had a fire at some point as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think that from... If you look at the film as um, almost as, as framed pictures, you know they have these really iconic um, shots, yeah. and it's and it's all and I mean the really the the massive one that is just stunning, absolutely amazing is um, darkness has just come out of the mirror. Yeah, uh, Mia is wearing the black dress. Yeah, it's, this she is my falls, favorite scene. Falls over in fear, and yeah. he, and he just he kind of half kneels over, and his cape is billowing in behind him, and you Excellent. get this long shot. And it's just, it's absolutely, you know, first time you see him in the full makeup yeah. as well. Um, and it's absolutely stunning. You know, I, I paused it. I actually paused it um, and just and just took it in. That is the scene for me that's, this is an iconic film, right? The, the amount of times that the darkness's likeness has been rehashed in popular culture and family guy and and we get the reference we know we know what it is and even though it's it's the devil it's an or a demon if yeah, you want totally, a quintessential yeah. demon is a fallen angel but i guess no wings whatever the point is is that there is something very specific about this particular you know, uh, you know incarnation of e- of evil and yet again sorry guys back to inconsistencies it reads to me, that it felt like it was written. What's that game? Consequences. You you write one thing and yeah, you pass sure. it on, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. there's the, the so many inconsistencies. I can't. I don't want to be a nerd picking at something. I don't want to be that guy. But I, do you I'm know what be I mean? The opposite nerd. <laughs> so I, I'm totally like the goblin, right? Who said there's nothing sweeter than rotting meat? So okay, yeah, that's fine. And then he's just about to take this shot that is gonna subdue the unicorn. And he, then he says, this is going to be a sweetest pie. <laughs> okay. Like, so they're not that evil. They're evil. Well, hang on, hang on, evil. hang on. He did not specify what kind of pie. Exactly. He could have meant could a be. rotting meat pie, right? You're so abs- You're so right. You just, I'm you really took sorry. against this film and you're being I'm really mean. sorry. But, but it, 
it, it, I think in fairness to you there, though, Alex, why I've written my note about that whole part is, is rhyming goblins. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all these like, little rhyming couplets. Yeah. And, uh, but they then don't all work. of a sudden, they don't work. it just... Well, I, I think they do in okay, the most okay. part, but then, but then you'll you'll get like five, and then it and then it just stops, <laughs> and then it, yeah, that's yeah, it. right, yeah, that right. starts again, yeah, and it's like, well, well, if you're gonna make this guy so he talks in rhyme, then he should always talk in rhyme, you know, or at least make it so that if the meter falters, it picks itself back up at you know the later stage, depending on what your you know your rhyming pattern is, but uh, you know that's that's for me where the inconsistency put. See, I think one of the things that we try to do, as you'll know, is to write down some of our favourite lines. And we try and have them be spoken by our lead actor. Tom Cruise doesn't really have any dialogue in this film other than, Lily! Right? Yeah. And so yeah, I, think, I think there's a third alternate version of this film that runs about an hour long that is... This is a, a, a hypothetical, Alex. It doesn't exist. I saw your face light up then. Like, oh, I want to watch the hour-long version. I yeah, yeah. To see well, version. this is what we should edit. And it's basically an hour-long music video, and the only person that has any dialogue is Darkness. Because it is beautiful. It is stunningly uh, right. shot and designed. Right. And it, I could totally... I haven't watched the Tangerine Dream version uh, since, you know, whenever. Uh, I could totally understand it with that kind of more interesting music underneath. But yeah, the problem is, is that it's just too languid. There just isn't any story or any drama to carry it through. I mean, Tim Curry isn't in it enough to establish that he's any kind of presence. He, he like you said, he arrives at about an hour ten into the movie. Yeah. Sound ye oldie spoiler klaxon. By an hour twenty twenty five. Yeah. They're already setting up the big stunt that's going to destroy him yeah. that succeeds. There's no conflict. There's no drama there. But there are, like, genuinely, I think the reason that I'm not completely against the film is that there are genuinely stunning sequences in it. I mean, the, oh, agreed. Agreed. The, the ring diving unicorn slashing scene is phenomenal. You mentioned you and uh, Darkness coming out of the mirror, but I'd even set five, ten minutes before that where uh, Una, the fairy, yeah. is, is running around the uh, palace and also Miyasara's kind of creeping around looking for things and that's when darkness comes upon her that entire sort of five or ten minutes and the waltz where she basically turns into black swan is it's just incredible it's and the film really comes to life and that's what's so disappointing is that mm -hmm. why did we fanny around with a bunch of goblins and fairies for an hour yeah. who all talk like these yeah, right? always uh, and the only person <laughs> who isn't human who talks any different is darkness who sounds yeah. like a contributor to a true crime documentary who's having his voice masked so you can't identify I came upon the body at about 4am in the woods <laughs> <laughs> did you did you spot amongst that whole hour sequence my my favorite one of I my did. actors? I knew who it was. Yeah, I yeah, didn't know who until yeah, the end I, credits. I, Do you know who my favorite act, actor because of my because of listening to podcast or you uh, like him too? No, no, I knew he was your favorite actor because of listening one to of my podcast. Favorite. Yeah, but yeah. I knew who it was before. I knew oh, that right. he'd played that part, and I, I knew that he played that part because you can't spot him. Uh, no, but uh, I was watching oh, about three years ago on YouTube, I think it was um, a um, like a behind the makeup sort of little. It's like seven minutes of a documentary, right? And there was a there was interviewing him about playing 
Meg Mucklebone, which is the character we're talking yeah. about, who for a character that's on screen for such a short space of time has generated such um you know the the fandom around Meg Mucklebone is massive, you know, okay. with with that's it. Amazing. He's, he's, he's no quite idea. a big character. Yeah, yeah. And, Do you think uh, it's because of him? I, well, I, I think it's just the character, to be fair. It's a know, genuinely creepy sequence, that. It's, Je- yeah. it's, Jenny, it's, yeah. it's basically Jenny Greenteeth, um, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. I don't get that reference. Jenny Greenteeth is a bit of a northern sort of sprite um, that kids get told about. Don't get too close to the river. You know, Jenny Greenteeth will get you. That right, sort of okay. thing. Um, you know, a bit of folklore, you know, like old English cool, cool. Sort of stuff. And, uh, and described as being very similar, you know, like so that green, is who sallow. She is, right? Yeah. Basically, yeah. But it, it was talking about him um, when he was in the the makeup, and yeah. uh, and he th- he thought he was going to die, basically, uh, uh, simply. So they they covered him in the latex. He's in the water. Um, the water was at like three feet deep. Then he's on a trap that's another twelve feet deep. Wow. So they had to lower him in. Wow. Twelve down. feet. Yeah. So it's fifteen feet of water. He he was under. But they had to lower him in to the point where there was no ripple. The water was completely, yeah, um, you know, still, co- yeah. completely still, and um, and then throw him up. But the the latex takes on quite a lot of water as well, so yeah. he got quite heavy with it. And as you see him come out of the water, he kind of he lean, he arcs back. He doesn't do that. That's not an acting thing. It's because the the costume's pulling him back, mm-hmm. and the trap was only a certain amount of width. And he thought they're going to cut my head off. You know, it's going to shoot me up. Wow. I'm going to leap, fly back, and my head and my arms are going to hit the edges of the, uh, you know, of the trap, and the, and the, uh, you know, there's going to be enough inertia. And they're just basically going to, you know, tear me into four pieces. Jesus. And the, the stage, yeah. And he, he said this to the stage manager. The stage manager went, "Well, I suppose we probably better practice it first. Then. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't no, mind, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a cool um, story. My note. When I Hang on, have we who, have we even said who what, the actor yeah, is? By the way, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. my note when I found out who it was, Robert fucking Picardo. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's... I mean, I I plotted for you when the credits came up and it said Robert Picardo yeah. was genuinely unrecognizable, and yeah, it is it is the only sort of character bit in the film that works. Like a genuine grotesque. It's also the moment that Jack discovers, you know, the power of weaponry and that he can kill things. Well, it's yeah. bravery, isn't it? That's what he he, he discovers. Yeah. It can be brave, uh, but on the original cut, that's really short. That it's like a minute. Sure. Um, oh, really? You know, really? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it comes up to a point, and she, she comes up, shouts, "Foul tasting fairy" or something. He goes, "Are you going to eat me?" And she goes, "Yes." And he cuts her head off. <laughs> Fuck it. off. Yeah, and it's it's really really rapid. It, it's, li- it's literally like a minute to a minute and a half. All oh, right. When oh, in the one we so... watch is like sort of five minutes. Yeah. It's a really good scene. Uh, it is a it is a good scene. Um. Can we, can we talk about Gump? Shirtlessness. What do you want to say I, about Gump? I, I love Gump. Gump. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry, guys. Why? I I do not know. I was so bored until he came on. I was like, that's quite a good character. I mean, he's probably the only person in the film who has an arc in that he's, he's interesting. A bit I of find a moody him a really little bastard character. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah he's, he's... he's and he, and and metaphorically speaking, so I can get into the allegory of this for days. I I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to again. S- save it for the cruiserverse, mate. But I really, <laughs> okay. Look, listen, I don't like this film. I can't watch it again. <laughs> all right, yeah. but it because it, I just I, because I had to. My mind was working overtime at like, what are they trying to say? What are they trying to say? And I can't, I can't, I just kept coming. It's all coming of age stuff. It's all, 
learning to use weapons, learning to use his sword. It's all, all of mm. it. At the end, I was like, he kills the darkness by jabbing his horn into him, then <laughs> bathes him in a stream of white light. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's that's this this is uh, when you have the the uh, thing on Facebook where it's like describe your favorite film really terribly, isn't it? That there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what I've just I didn't realize with that. With his horn, but, yeah. and so right. he's covered in whiteness. I think yeah. there is <laughs> some stuff in there about sin, though. I think that there is, yeah. Yeah, and and human uh, innocence being a fallacy, and that's why I think the thing that you picked up about Mia Sara, Princess Lily, uh, not being innocent right off the top. It's, no, she's it's, not. She is dark. It yeah. doesn't exist, and also pure darkness doesn't exist. He yeah. is, I, if anything, he's just like he's lustful for evil. Right. His line in the death throes, in his death throes. Right. What's his line? Uh, I yeah. You can't kill me. I without darkness there could be no light without me there couldn't be you something like that yeah i am all of you i'm part of all of you right okay great yeah yeah Yeah. but also like the way he's he is orgasmically turned on when she says let me kill the unicorn i mean if that's definitely tim curry spraying his shorts for sure yes (laughs) i I, because i've got that uh as uh, when we talk about the quotes yeah he's um the whole part of his seduction of lily and his frustration at her badgering him Basically, you know, she baits him uh, quite a bit and he gets yeah. quite angry about it and he starts to lose his temper. And then she kind of goes, you know, and my quote, my line is, I want to kill a unicorn. And yeah. then it's his laugh that follows follows that up. He's just, um, you know, and it goes right in on the, on the face. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just we just win because it's Tim Curry on screen again, basically. Yeah. So. That is the major theme of the movie, right? That good and evil, you know, light and dark, they're actually the same thing. What is light without darkness? And that's the whole point, right? Yeah. It's pretty on the, on the nose. It's not, it's not hiding it. It's not really hidden, but the hidden bit is around. It's, it's around the sex. It's around the sex and sexuality between these two characters. It's a coming of age film. Uh, She's innocent, not so innocent. He's super innocent. And they're both learning about what they have to do. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Did she have a dream? Everything got undone by him getting the ring. It snapped back. It's a creative decision, I guess, to the exact same shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think that's the, the completion of the quest, isn't it, basically? is retur- returning her lost. You know, the, the yeah. um, it's a token of her love. It's supposed to be. Yeah. I think in the original cut, they, they kind of kiss and go, we'll get married. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. I think there's uh, an interpretation that says... You know, everything starts not with the unicorn dying, but the darkness happens as soon as she throws her ring away. Uh, yeah, she she's more rather than innocence. I would say she was more of a a, a, a metaphor for temptation. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, than, yeah. than the innocence, um, and it's Jack's temptation, and that's what the you know it's him getting. And at the end, he goes, "Well, we'll be friends." You know, that's uh, yeah. And he goes, "Oh, bye!" Off into the woods, and she goes, "Bye!" Back off to my kingdom. Um, what what a trade off that is! Yeah, he friend zoned her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did it to her. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hang on. They didn't. They weren't. Why didn't they get married? I think they just decided. I think the way it's supposed to read. I did read this on the on the uh, Wikipedia page. Was that um, that was always supposed to be the the ending? Wasn't it? Wasn't supposed right. to be the traditional fairy tale ending. So I think originally the original script it was like a four hour film. Um, wow. Or something equally silly, you know. And that's it went through quite a few rewrites. Like a mishmash. That's why. Yeah, well, it was Ridley Scott wrote the original plot line, 
Um, right. And then, you know, someone came in and kind of wrote bits around it. And then, and then they right. were, you know, back then, we haven't got $500 million to spend on this film and right. so on and so forth. And, you know, they had to keep chopping bits away at it and until he could make it how they wanted to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it never gripped me. I, I have to, it's it's unfortunate. I did I did want to enjoy it, um, but I'd love to see the four hour long five hundred million what? dollar version. You know, oh okay, would... the one that never existed. You mean? Yeah, yeah. The I'd one love that to see that filmed. version. Well, because you know, I'm sure there could be some fantastic ideas in the four hour long version. You, you know, I I'm not against the concept. I, I just I can't get on board with the way it was done. Yeah. I, I... Can I, I don't know kind of where we are at the moment, but some things I noticed in this, particularly when I was watching it, something I hadn't noticed previously, how many bubbles are there in this film? Yeah. yeah. How often right. do just bubbles just appear? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and every so often where it's like, it's huge plot questy bit, it's, do you know what guys, we're going we're gonna to mark this particular scene with lots and lots <laughs> and a fuckload of glitter. We're just going to yeah. paint glitter. you in yeah. glitter. Everywhere, on his face. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, glitter. Especially when uh, Una becomes big, you know, like yeah. we're just going to glitter the shit out of this place. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, rotting <laughs> um, prison where there's lots of carcasses, glitter, just glitter, and bubbles. We'll put some bubbles in too. Yeah. Uh, oh right, bubbles. Yeah. yeah. It's just so eighties. Uh, no, that it is. It is know, really. Uh, and but and also, I just think it was a really lazy art director at times that was just like make it fantasy, uh, bubbles and glitter. Yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, okay, all right. Well, art direction, maybe. The one thing I say, like, one of the, my heroes of uh, practical effects did all the, the makeup on the the goblins and on darkness and that. And that's Rob Bottin, who did all the uh, gooey stuff in The Thing and also uh, oh, right. the eye-popping stuff in Total Recall. Oh, wow. Yeah, Robert, Rob Bottin uh, yeah. acquitted himself with a plum in this film, I think. I, th- I think the actual... Oh, yeah, like, nothing wrong like, with the effects, yeah. Yeah, effects and costumes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just great. stunning. Really great. Um, uh, again, darkness, you can't get away from that. Um, yeah. One of the reasons we were saying before, you know, the first hour of the film is like no darkness. He's very sort of a background character. And um, that's because um, Tim Curry, after he'd filmed some scenes, was getting really pissed off at the, the removal process of the makeup. Sure. Oh, right. And he couldn't be bothered like waiting four hours so they they put some solution on that's supposed to melt the glue away and he just sod it tore it off and gave himself like third degree burns around his wow. chest so he couldn't have the makeup on for a few weeks so that's why the start of the film where he's you know innocence and all that sort of stuff he's that's just why they filmed that piece right. yeah and why he's just got a cloak on because they had to film bits like that yeah. because they couldn't put makeup on him for for, for a little uh, while uh i didn't see him at all in my cut in the first few minutes no you don't see him in that form alex like there's the bit where they first yeah. get the horn and the goblins are, are farting around with the horn he comes right. on and talks to them then doesn't like a shroud yeah yeah oh uh, yeah 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 okay okay he, he, he looks like when you imagine sort of old leper colonies you know they're in all the, all the that's right dirty yeah. rags and stuff that's kind of how he appears and then he actually shoots up an actual zombie leper sort of thing to i'll get you gadget next time <laughs> pretty good well done yeah that yeah. was good well, you know, Inspector Gadget, that's what I grew up on. Uh, I'll bring my bass out and play the theme. Yeah. I won't really, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> Show off. So uh, we were saying before, like, Tom Cruise is at that point today, not uh, when he was doing Legend, where you sort of... he He's up for roles where 
other famous actors of his ilk are up for those roles. But once he does them, you don't really want to replace him. I don't think that's true of this film. I think you definitely could replace him and improve the film, right? Right, yeah. Would you improve the film? Well, I don't think he's right for the part. Yeah, but I I think the part, for all is the, the leading man, so to speak, it's a small part. In, yeah, in the you're right. It is thing of the it film. Is. It's not a big part. So I think, you know, but he the, the does big... have to jump off something. So kind several of times. Yeah, lots of times. I've got that written down quite a few times. Kind of perfect for that. I want to tell you three of the alternates they were looking at. Bearing in mind this is 1985. Right. Johnny Depp. Uh, interesting. Just off the back of um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Correct. Right. Get this. Robert Downey Jr. Interesting too. That yeah. would have been good. But my personal favourite, Jim Carrey. <laughs> no way. That would have wow. been amazing. Imagine that. Jim Carrey has turned up in a couple of films around that time, though, because he was in Earth yeah. Girls Are Easy. That's right. Because um, yeah. he's the guy with the sheep's tongue. Yep, dead, I was just going to say Deadpool. He's, yeah. oh, you know, when he's filming the video, the um, film. Welcome filming, to the jungle. It, welcome to the jungle, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's just incredible. Um, but he's, yeah, he has a few bit parts around that sort of right. time. Just, yeah. It does I would have loved to see Jim Carrey in this, but not as a romantic heroic no, lead, no, right? Yeah, he, he he couldn't have done in and done like the mask, could he? Or Ace, Ventu- Ace no, Ventura? No. Actually, if you'd have put Ace Ventura in that film, that would have that would have improved. <laughs> yeah, uh, in Ace Ventura in Legend, um, but you know, looking at the script, I would have thought those actors, and I would have gone. There's a lot of jumping off things in this. We, we gotta, we gotta go th- for Tom. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I mean, it has to be said, the very first thing he does in this film is jump into the shot. (laughs) So obviously I wrote it down and he does a backflip at one point as well, or a forward flip. But then the last... The last 20 minutes of this film, it's all flips and rolls. He's jumping up things, he's jumping (laughs) into things, he's rolling, diving. For the the jumps I've got here is diving off the cliff, obviously, into the waterfall. Good dive, real good dive. Yep. And then um, I've got written down flips, 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 and jumps uh, in the chef struck executioner fight. And, uh, and that yeah. seems to be, he, he jumps on the table, they swing at his legs, he jumps over the sword, and then he yeah. backflips off the table. Yeah. He does that about five times. And it's not the same shot rehashed either. No. Because there's no. different stuff going on, you know. it's um, The weirdest rehashed shot moment I've ever seen in an action movie. Like, they do it all the time in Jackie Chan films, right? When he does amazing stunt and they just repeat it from another angle. I know exactly what you're going to say. Right. And like, so, so, he does a dive really early on in the movie. For anyone who hasn't watched it, I don't know why you haven't and you're listening to this. But he jumps off. They cut back to the exact same shot. They don't. It's not. It's not. Let's have him jump off in another way now, like because he's run back to the woods to get the ring again. It's just it cuts back as though it's cut back to that moment in time. That's the suggestion, I think, or or it's really bad filmmaking. It's well, it's a reading, yeah. And instead of repeating that the same way that they do, like look at this amazing dive and let's repeat the dive moment. Do they, what they repeat the weirdest part of the dive, like. Come, not even coming out of the water, right? Or is it coming out of the water? It is, but that? he like jumps four feet above the surface of the water. But then, yeah, they show that exact shot again. It's weird. It's the it's the wrong shot to show again. It is because it makes it look like he's so happy to have found the ring that he's just going to have a little dance off on his own in a lake. <laughs> Maybe it's where he got the idea for Oprah from. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. That's 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 the thing. I've got a theory about all of the flips and jumps and things like that. 
I, I think he went to Ridley Scott and he said, uh, you know, there's a few things I like to do in my movies. I like to, uh, <laughs> I like to jump off things. And uh, Ridley's like, I got, I got you covered. We're good. He's like, okay. I like to go, woo! He's like, it's really not that kind of film. Oh, that's a bummer, man. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't ke- get one. Just in, ha- in case there was no, one. There wasn't one. Missed, I didn't no, there wasn't one. one. There wasn't one. That's so then right. he's like, okay, all right. If if I can't do at least one woo, then I want to be shirtless in at least two scenes. And really, Scott said, I've got a little kid who doesn't wear a top for the whole film. He's like, then I'm going to need 10 fucking flips out of you, Ridley. <laughs> Done. What he also doesn't get, though, he doesn't get... Uh, uh, right, uh, I'm going to say, I was about to say something completely untrue. When he's with the sprites, uh, you know, like with Gump and Screwball and all those guys, yeah. he does a lot of kneeling down, you know, so he's clearly taller than them. You get a fair bit of that, you know, so it's, it's that's the whole making him look a bit big. Yeah. But one thing that was interesting is in his, his final fight with Darkness, you know, because Darkness is supposed to be like 12 foot or something ridiculous, you know, he's absolutely towering above him and he calls him boy. And I was, I was thinking to myself, is Tom Cruise going to have a problem with that? You know, is it, is it, knowing how Tom can be about his height and things, I was like, that must have yeah. burned. You know, that must yeah. have hurt a little bit. He, he's that not got the star burn. power at the point, at this point, to say, you can't say that to me. We're not putting that line in the script. And again, when he's fighting the executioner stroke chefs, they're all huge as well. And he looks quite, quite small yeah. against yeah. all of those. So I don't know if they're going for the David and Goliath thing, but they seem to have oh, compensated yeah. that by giving him the, you know, standing with the fairies and he gets to do lots of crouching and kneeling. So he looks like he's significantly bigger than they are. Oh, and the time sync as well, when they went, let's sync time. We'll be back together in three flutters of a badger's heartbeat. <laughs> they just had no, those crazy like little things. <laughs> 500, no, two times 500 heartbeats of a bluebell or something like that. <laughs> yeah. a blue bottle. It's like, just say four o'clock. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. Yeah, yeah but they don't have the arbitrary thing of seconds. It's a concept. Well, I mean, this this movie wanted so badly to be so many things. And it became its own thing. Yeah, it's got a cult status for good reason, um, but I can't. I just I couldn't. I can't get on board with it. I, I couldn't. I'm, I know. I keep saying it. I think I made my point. Are there any other staples that we might have missed? Any yeah. other? No. I don't think so. I think. I think the 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 only other thing was the very eighties uh, thing that I noticed as well was the end credits with the waving. We're walking away and waving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. But that really was more really. of an 80s staple rather than a, um, a Tom yeah. Cruise one. So, do you want some numbers? Oh, yeah. Go for it, man. It's your numbers. So, the budget, bearing in mind this is the early mid 80s, the budget was $24.5 million, which is around about the same as Ghostbusters was. Right. It's reasonable. Tom Cruise's salary, hmm. half a million. Not bad. Not bad at this stage of his career. He's doing better and better. Yeah. Yep. Total gross, fifteen and a half million. That's a bit of a bomb. So your appraisal of it as a cult movie, Alex, is spot on because yeah. a movie can't be a cult movie if it was a massive success. It's your numbers. But I think there is love for this film, and I think while it isn't while it isn't original enough. And it isn't successful enough in what he's trying to do. I think there is a clear attempt to do something a little bit different to most of the fantasy films that were being around this time. Mm. So for that, and for the, I don't know. The, the I think it's sheer, accidental. 
designed it isn't it isn't accidental at all like okay, okay really scott really didn't want to make just a standard action fantasy movie all right, all right. he arguably did end up making one yes but that's because it got bastardized yeah so for that and and just like his his visual approach to it it's it squeaks a pass for me mm. it doesn't for you me or you sorry well, I know Ewan loves it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Don't ruin my childhood, it, I, guys. I can't. I can't. <laughs> like, from minute one, it's like, you know, this black hate. They, they really make an effort to darkness and and I hate everything good. And there's this banter between darkness and his number one. In amongst their quite desperate attempts to sound like how much they love disgusting things and hate and... and horrible stuff they're just really lovely with each other they're actually really <laughs> nice and and it's like they're, they're they're like best buds you know i i need you but man and i need you to go do this thing for me because i think that this is a buddy movie between darkness and his gob and his goblin and that blakes. Would be, uh... blakes yeah no i i can't i can't that's <laughs> i couldn't take any enough of it seriously the things that i can take seriously are the um the production uh, in terms of makeup, yeah. um, I can I can hear the attempt to do something new, and but I can't because it, it failed through no fault of Ridley Scott's. I imagine it yeah. looks like it had lots of studio interference. I wish this wasn't a Ridley Scott movie. That's how I feel. I can't give it a pass. I think it's definitely a fail for me. I did try. I tried to like it. I tried to see things in it. I I have now that I've seen it again though. I wouldn't say it's unwatchable. I enjoyed watching it for what it was. And... No, I, th- I think it's the kind of film you can, for for at least the first half, you can kind of have on in the background and you're not going to miss too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's eye candy. Yeah, yeah, it's made for that sort of second screen experience where you're farting around on your phone. There's things I like. There's individual bits that I like. So the, the, the scene that Ewan mentions, my favourite, with it coming out of the mirror, that's, I, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, I gump. Don't know why. I just think he gives a. I think he gives a really good performance. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I like the character. I like. It. What did you call him? What did you say? Yeah, he's a moody little. Yeah, yeah he's right. a little bastard. I think yeah. that's what I like. I think he sits somewhere in between. He's very practical, and he he wants to get stuff done. He doesn't care about Una's motivations for like give me a kiss. So you know to open the door to get a key. Just. He's like, just open the fucking door, Una. And that's what he's like, you know. And I just, there's something about him that I think could have easily been lacking from this movie. And he adds something. But that's the thing about each of the characters. They're supposed to be archetypes and they don't fit together for me. I don't feel like there's chemistry between anyone. Except for Darkness and his number one. I think there's a, there's a, love, there's a love film there. I like the little... Uh... Like again, when darkness comes along in the shroud and they're all messing around with the horn, I like the three goblins. And there's one who's like got a bucket for a head with steam coming out of it, and he <laughs> yeah, tries yeah. to steal the, the horn. horn until he realizes darkness is there. And darkness like reanimates a corpse. And I thought, oh, he's he's gonna chuck him in the hole, but he doesn't because he's a corpse. He jumps in with him and just takes him down. And I love that on the way down, he's like, I was kidding. Yeah. Adios. <laughs> yeah, it's adios amigos, isn't it? I've written that down. Yeah, it's, so, uh... is that, so we're into favourite lines now then? Right, I mean, okay. I don't have any. I, did, I literally, I've got a blank oh. bit on my page where I wrote lines. But, so you like that one? Oh yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and anything about you? Tim Curry how says. About you, you I, I've got a couple. 
Um, so that's one of them. But he said, uh, have you no sense of humour? Adios amigos, as he gets dragged down that's the hole. Yeah, that's it. The other one is, uh, I can't remember his name, the other, the fairy that's uh, protecting the unicorn with his little pan. And he gets shot through the bottle of uh, yes. like rum or whatever, brandy on his head. <laughs> yeah. And they go and they say to him, was she still alive? And he goes, she was alive still when they killed me. Yeah, Which is a yeah. great line. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> yeah. that's um, good. But Mia Sara, no one's going to ever accuse her of being an amazing actress. I mean, she's not great in Ferris Bueller <laughs> either. But it, when she's gone all black swan and she's gone a little bit dark, I think she's quite good the way that she is using... Her oh, physicality, yeah, yeah. and and also there's a really nice shot where she turns around. She just hits the mark spot on, mm. and uses all her features perfectly. And it's a shame that she turns into such a drip at the end. Yeah, because when she's actually supposed to be, you know, a bit a bit bad, yeah. you know, and she's and she's taunting darkness, you know, and trying to wind him up. That for me is her strongest part of the film. That, that interaction she's where in, she's it's where she's going interesting. Eat. It's like, right, I don't want to eat. Sit down. I'll, I'll stand. You know, yeah, 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 where yeah. she's deliberately trying to piss him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and then he realizes. So, There's a lot yeah. there, and you know, I, I'm not writing essays about it. There's no point. Um, but it feels like, it does feel like there was a lot more trying to be said with this than than it actually achieves. It doesn't really achieve it necessarily. But, uh, you know, subtle allegory, subtle allegory, no matter what. It's not a favourite line. It's just the only line that made me laugh. She first meets Jack and he's teaching her to speak to animals. And it's just when she says, teach me rabbit. Go on, teach me rabbit. It's okay, actually. And I... And I laughed. I don't. It wasn't meant to be funny, but it really made me laugh. I thought it was ridiculous, but and and then and then Jack replies like, uh, "Rabbit's a bit complicated. It's a bit difficult, rabbit. It's like how's it? It can't be any more difficult than than whale song unicorn, though, can it? That's <laughs> Thank a, you. I'm so glad you <laughs> so said it. So much whale, whale song, song yeah. unicorn. Well, that's how the unicorns speak. Is whale song? It's like I didn't quite. I, I never questioned it as a child, and it was only this time of watching and going, "Why? Why is it whale song?" But we don't know. We don't know what unicorns sound like. And bizarrely, someone they don't know what whales sound like. Good point, Ben. But bizarrely, just today in in work, uh, someone said something about someone brought uh, in a unicorn. They said (laughs) something about they made. They were talking about someone who was really good at design, and they'd made a cake, and it was a life size unicorn. And I went. What? And she said, well, what? not life size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She said, well, no, no, not life size, but it's like the size of a dog. And I said, ah, but maybe that is life size. <laughs> we right. don't know. Uh, yeah. Ben, right now, I, I, I want this to be your argument for everything from now yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, when it comes to unicorns, yeah. <laughs> All right, right. Just, it's, just it's a solid unicorn rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Who knows? I think yeah. I read somewhere recently, Korea, what's the guy's name? Kim Jong-un. Yeah. They released a press a press release. I think it was last year, sometime. That they have found a unicorn in their sacred forests, and that it is now living in the palace under the protection. And of... Kim Jong Un's going to put on his red helmet. Yeah, he's going to cut off that horn, and I will rule in darkness for right. the rest of my days. No, he has that, to find the other unicorn. Sorry, he has to find the other unicorn. That's true. Yes, he does exactly that. Two. Legend two, horny again. <laughs> <laughs> More than friends. They could just More use a goat friends. then, I suppose, couldn't they? Twice as horny. A goat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah legend, legend two, two. friend zone this. Yeah. <laughs> hey Alex, I think I know a man 
who might be able to make you reappreciate just how good Legend is. Go but to do that, we have to take a little trip. If you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruiseverse. Yeah! Now, when we last saw our time-traveling, dimension-jumping actor Tom Cruise, yeah. he was on his way to college to become a professional American football player. But he fell into a dream, and that was risky business. How the hell do we go from this man following in his dream, having a dream, waking up from that dream, about to follow his dream, into legend? Ewan, I think you have the answer. Apparently so. So, the um, well, I think the official line is, uh, are we going for the writing a story to his, his dad? Is that what we're going for? Absolutely. Is that, is that, right, okay. So, he, he writes a story. Right. Um, to to his dad, about um a fantasy land where he is the hero, and it's all a bit of an uh, allegory to what's yeah. going on in his life. So, uh, he's in this fantastical world of swords and sorcery, and there's a quest he must complete uh, to come out of the other side of it and to, to kind of grow up. Um, a, a hero's uh, journey, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, yeah. and it's an allegory to real events in his life. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and it's something that he has to overcome. So, uh, the unicorn is a scholarship that could be slipping through his fingers if it all goes kind of wrong right. uh, for him. Um, and the girl, you know, she's tempting him away from practice yeah. and from doing what he should really be doing to make sure he can, you know, continue to get on with that. Yeah. Meg is the demon of performance enhancing drugs yeah. and how he could eventually be consumed by winning so much that he, he feels he has to cheat to do so, which right. is why you know yeah. she means to eat him and yeah, come yeah. to Meg and, and all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Um the eternal winter is his fear of a future of dead end delivery jobs and unfulfilling relationships should he fail at college. <laughs> or or get injured. Yeah. yeah or get injured, yeah exactly. His career's yeah. over, right? Yeah. And, uh, and the ring is a powerful metaphor, not only for the ball he is afraid of dropping, but also a more literal ring, a Super Bowl ring that he aspires to earning in that professional career. So, That's perfect. he's written this story about the legend that he doesn't think he can become to explain to his dad, I'm, this dream scares me so much, I'm going to follow something more practical. Where's he going to go, Alex? Into... The military. He's going to go to the Air fighter Force. school. Yeah, he's joining yeah. the Navy. And and that gives him a real demon with the Cold War. Well, we'll get into that next time. This is, this is, this is so good. I am so happy because there was no way Legend was going to fit in my Cruiseverse. And you I made it happen. I didn't Thank have you. it. Thank you. And you and said, you. like, oh, you've already used the whole it's a dream thing, so you can't use yeah. that. So, so this is yeah, uh, this is the story he writes when he wakes up from his dream. So actually, in the Cruiseverse, he's still the last two films, Risky Business and Legend. He is still the character from uh, All the Right, All moves. The right moves. Yeah, yeah. You won't know this, you. And so at the moment, from the bottom up, my ranking is Dead Bottom, Endless Love, then Losing It, then The Outsiders, then Taps, then All the Right Moves. And top at the moment is Risky Business. Losing it is right at the bottom for me. Endless Love, I don't know why. I, I want to swap those now already. Um, Outsiders, uh, All the Right Moves, Risky Business, and Taps is number one for me. Yeah, you love Taps. Mm. So where are you putting this? I really do. This has to go 
above endless love below outsiders pretty low then what's that third from bottom yeah yeah it's better i'd rather watch this again than endless love and losing it my top three are risky business all the right moves and taps i'm going to put legend below taps but above the outsiders just because the outsiders doesn't have as much going on Fair enough. But what I was going to ask you, Ewan, because I know you've not seen all of those anyway, this is a Tom Cruise movie that you watch a fair bit. Where does it like rank in all of Tom Cruise's films that you like? Oh, wow. Um, not not that high, if I'm honest, right, okay. um, because there are better films. Um, so you've got your you know, um, Minority Report um, is a high one. Um, Why don't we have your top three? Your top three... Well, the top three for what you've done already... I'm going to be controversial here. All right, yeah, go for it. Is going to be Outsiders. I love that film. My sister loves it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a great film. I just think the characters are really well rounded in it, and and you know the dialogue is 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 generally pretty good, and it's also a good time to see um, the Karate Kid get beaten by something. Yeah, if only it's just a burning (laughs) church. Um, (laughs) But it is. um, Yeah, it's. I I like Outsiders, but I think that's again probably a bit of nostalgia thing. So, yeah, my top three would be Outsiders, Risky Business, and All the Right Moves. And then out of all of his filmography? Uh, Oh, top three out of all of his filmography. Now, it doesn't have to be what you think is the best film. It's what your your favourite is. No, no, it's what my favourite is. I'm going to go Minority Report for top at the moment. Wow. It was such a game changer for me in terms of Tom Cruise, and it's just a really good film Hmm. um, as well. And it's a good script, a good idea. I like the concept. Yeah. Mission Impossible 2, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might need I to get you on film. again for that. <laughs> <laughs> I it, Again, not the best of the Mission Impossible films. No, no it True. isn't. True. No, you're no, right. Absolutely not. Because yeah. I, I like three, actually. Um, and, yeah. and Ghost Protocol's quite good as well. Understatement. But comes into his own as that character. He becomes that character a bit more. Um, in one, it's kind of practice. In two, he's, he's got it down pat quite well. Um, and he's, it's just the right amount of smarm as well, especially like with Tandy Newton when he's when he's kind of going, if you do that, you'll set the alarm. It's like, no, I won't. Like, yeah, you will. And the alarm you know, goes off and then the, the whole car it is funny. And... It's really funny you're saying that because I know I know that it's it's the worst Mission Impossible film. I remember, <laughs> I remember loving it though. Uh, when it came out, and it's the whole uh, when it when it, it came out. I remember loving it. Yeah, it's, I think I broke his jaw. It's all that sort of stuff. It's just so terrible. It's great. Yeah, um, but and but I did what I really loved was the first Mission Impossible film. I thought that was great. So I just didn't care. I just was happy to see another one. And, and a bit of trivia there. I think didn't do Grey Scott turn down Wolverine to do that film as well? He That's did. Exactly yeah, right. we talked about that. Yeah, fool. Uh, yeah. yeah, silly boy. He wouldn't have been a good Wolverine in anyway. Uh, they should have gone with the original choice of Wolverine. No, but he'd be worth about a hundred million dollars today. Yeah, no, do you know? Do you know the original Wolverine choice was? Yeah, yeah. The original choice for Wolverine when they were going to do an X Men film in the nineties was Bob Hoskins. Yeah. No, fuck yeah. off. Yeah, absolutely. They were going to do one in the nineties. Oh Bob my Hoskins god, that, original that says everything about the superhero genre. Of how they did not know what they were doing. I don't know, though. He had the right height and he was hairy enough. Let's be honest. That's the whole point, though. But put Bob Hoskins as Wolverine. I'm definitely watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Why not Robin Uh, Williams? Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch it. Robin Williams as Beast. Yeah. Oh, no, you can. Kelsey Grammer was an inspired piece of casting. Yeah, I know, but. 
Robin Williams is already hairy. All he has to do is blue up a little bit. That, yeah, that's, that's very it. true. Yeah, just dip him in the um, in the, yeah. the the stadium toilets and yeah, done. Anyway, we digress. Right. So, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so number three. <laughs> yeah. So number three. Uh, oh, sorry, my son's just woken up. Um, you might oh, hear my. tears in a second. Come here, buddy. Um, number three <laughs> cool, cool. is um, number three. Jack Reacher. You- Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. that's in your top three. Yeah, good. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I like the books with Jack Reacher, and when I heard he was playing the part, I was like, maybe, maybe not. But do you know what? When he uh, he tells Jai Courtney he's going to drink his blood out of a boot, yes, yeah, that that's Jack Reacher right there. That's the character. Well, uh, I think we can wrap up. We can, and then yeah. when, and then we'll say goodbye to you. And uh, yeah. that's a real angry kid he's got there. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up like that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched Legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. Oh, hey, buddy. Hi. Are you going to wave at the nice men? Hi. Well, or just wave at us. Yeah, he can't hear you. He's got chicken pox. It's just me and him tonight. Right. So. Oh, horrible. All right, buddy. He's all right. Okay. Yeah. Well, we um, were just we were going to wrap up anyway. You. It yeah. seems like you've got is, uh, a pressing engagement there. Guys, you've been talking for way too long. Yeah. There's nothing like children to remind you uh, what's really important. Uh, Ewan, you've made Legend much more interesting for both of us, I think. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. having me. And uh, and if you if you ever do wish to ask me again, then absolutely feel free. Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, yeah. And, and thank you again for your time. Yeah. Not a problem. Ewan Robinson, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Alex, next time, it's Top Gun. Yeah. Excited. Oh, you'd sound dead excited. Woo! Woo! Yeah, okay. So, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us for that next time. Until then, signing off. See you later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Don't forget, you can jack reachers at The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook, and The Arnithology at gmail.com.